listening discretion is advised. There will be swearing, um, inappropriate adult humor, and probably some graphic um, medical procedures. Listen at your own risk. All right. Well, I'm Jesse. I'm Alicia. And we are changing the chances. Take well, two. Take well, it's not really take two, it's episode two. Episode two. Um if you listened to the first one, welcome back. If you didn't, then you picked a crappy one to start with. Just saying. Yeah, this one might be a little more uh heartfelt, um, uh, what else would you call it? Tragic, heartfelt. There's gonna be a lot of crying. All the, well, from you, but <laughs> I just get mad. Did anybody hear the producer in the background laughing? I feel like that's very unprofessional. Producer, get it together. It's okay. He can edit it out. I'm just kidding. I don't really care. No, I don't care either. And so, just so we can, I I've got to say this before we get all serious in it. Dun dun dun. So I've been told I have a magnificent podcast podcast voice. I think I might have missed my calling, babe. I think you did. And I'm super jealous. Like, first of all, this was my idea. True. And I bring Jesse along for the ride. What are you talking about? I've been along for the ride for the last 16 years. Along for this ride. Oh, okay. And and you're going to outshine me with your gorgeous podcast voice. (laughs) See, even our daughter thinks it's funny. But anyway, I just had to put that out there. Feeling kind of good about my podcast voice. Just, just saying. Can you say podcast? You're struggling. I know, I am. I've, I've already pod podcast. There we go. <sighs> Explicit content. I've been drinking. So. Oh yes, explicit content. There We're, will probably yeah. be swearing. There will probably be some graphic details. So yeah. Explicit content. Um, proceed at your own risk. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. I don't know. Hey, that's my line. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I have stolen it. Ha ha. Okay. Um, so where did we where did we leave off? Well, we probably won't catch everything because such is life. I was just telling Jesse I wish we planned better, but chances are I wouldn't read my notes anyways because that's who I am. Yeah, I do better by, you know, winging it. I did think of something that we didn't share the first go around that I would like to share because I think that it's super important. As in you, the phone call guy, (laughs) made a very important phone call when all this happened. And that was to my friend who doesn't even live in this state. Well, at the time, didn't even live in this state. She lived in Arizona at the time to tell her what was going on because she's one of my best friends. Very close to her. And she literally dropped everything when she got this phone call. And drove out to Utah. And drove to Utah. She got here at like 1 or one, 2, two in, in the, the morning. morning. Yeah. Um, and the hospital at that time, because if you remember before COVID, <laughs> you know, things were a little bit more loosey-goosey. So she actually came and saw me at like 2 o'clock in the morning when she got here, which was crazy and amazing. Because how many people can say that they know people like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't say I have a friend like that, like that you could call in another state that would just be like, 
dude, that that's my best friend, and he's in a seriously screwed up situation, and I gotta go. Yeah. Like I I don't know anybody like that. So it just occurred to me first, you know, overthinking all the things, <laughs> all the time, that I think that needed to be pointed out because I thought it was fantastic. Well, it was my job, on top of trying to keep my shit together. <laughs> Good job. Um, so yeah, I guess. I guess I've gotten it dialed in, you know, because that's what I do now. I, I make all the phone calls. I text all the people. and You are the phone caller. I am. Good, I am. Good job. Um, so we left off with, uh, I don't even know. I don't know. Well, Producer, okay. what did we leave off with? <laughs> He's not prepared. One day, one, one and a half. Day one and a half. Day one and a half. Um, okay. So, I mean. I obviously think, I won't say they're uneventful because they were very eventful for the first forever, it feels like. Um, the first day and a half, they were pretty eventful. Um, well, the first two days, really, because... Um, and there was no sleep. Yeah, All the things. It, it was just um, chaos and a handbag. And So, <laughs> I guess we're... I guess we should start off... It's really like day two after birth. So, we, I gave birth on a Friday. It is now Sunday. Yeah. <clears throat> we're just going to start there because the easiest jumping off point is like, mm, it's roughly seven o'clock in the morning. I'm still in the hospital, obviously, because I had a C-section and they keep you there to make sure everything's fine. And I got a phone call to the room. It was a NICU just letting us know again that Caleb had flatlined or coded or they brought him back. But it, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> So woke up Jesse, we went down to the NICU, sat with the twins for a while. I think we decided to call our parents. Yeah, we, we decided to Because he wasn't doing well. He was Caleb was really struggling at this point. So we went out to the lobby and we were just sitting waiting for your mom, I think, actually. Sounds about right. I'm sure it was your mom. We were waiting for her and just having a conversation because there's lots of conversations to be had when things are not going as you planned, which I'm sure happens for lots of people when you're a parent. Things don't go as planned. But we were just having a conversation like, how long do you continue down this road, I guess? We, the, the doctors had already approached us on in the plug so we were we were tossing that idea around which is the worst thing to to try and discuss um so we we were just trying to to see like how how long do we how long do we let him fight how long do we let him potentially suffer um they told us every every time he codes every time he flatlines um that's just more and more brain damage and with that, um, he is more and more likely to essentially be a vegetable. So we were discussing on if we could do it, if we could pull the plug, if we could, you know, take away um, his option for fighting. Um, and then people started showing up. Well, I mean, basically my consensus was I wasn't ready because that's a tough one. <laughs> Well, I don't know that I, I don't know that you're either, well, but no, agreed. I don't think anybody's ever ready. And to unfortunately, watch him suffer and to know that he was just oh, flatlining, yeah, repeatedly. I know that's it's hard with no 
clear-cut answers. And that's really the biggest issue is when they're just like, well, we don't know. That was we the, just don't that was know. the famous it's, lines from all the doctors. I mean, mm-hmm. and still to this day, there's things that go on with Piper and they're like, oh, well, you know, we kind of get the shoulder shrug and we don't know. And it's it sucks. So all of you parents out there that hear that, just understand that it's it sucks. But sometimes that's all they can say, because the human body, the human brain, everything about us for as much as we know, we don't know, Jack. Right. Honestly, we don't. No. I mean, they. And everybody works differently. I mean, it doesn't matter that we're all pretty much built the same, same organs, all the things. We don't always come out actually the same. Well, it's like a car, an assembly line. You know, Ford produces 2,000 cars on an assembly line. Every one of those 2,000 cars is built the exact same way. But guess what? All 2,000 of those cars run differently. Yeah. That's true. You know, I mean, it, it just, it, there, there's so many variables. Yeah. And, and for them to be able to tell us that, you know, hey, we, we don't know. Like, they couldn't give us an answer on why you went into preterm labor. No. Well, what Honestly, well, the, we best, don't know. the best guess for that was, well, you were carrying twins. And sometimes your body just says, and we're done. Because there's lots of complications that can come with twins. That was it. There was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with them. It's not like there was infection. There wasn't anything. It just happened. And it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, yay. Um, so we had the hard conversation. Didn't really come up with a real answer other than I wasn't ready. And unfortunately, that's just where I was at. And I couldn't do it. So people started showing up. They Family came. Family members, yeah. moms, dads. They came, hung out, support, love, all the, all the things. Which, you know, disclaimer, we have an amazing <laughs> support group in your family. Um, I mean, I know it's just my mom out here but and my brothers, but your family, awesome. Like, I've ever since we got together, it was your family ties, your family bond was something I was never used to. And then for this, essentially this tragedy to hit us. Mm-hmm. Your family just stepped up, and it it was awesome to see, and it was awesome to feel, because we oh, needed yeah. it. One hundred percent, we needed it. Well, I have a, I mean, I'm not gonna fight that argument that I have a great family. I have a great immediate family. I have a great extended family. We have. I am pretty close to most of them. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration. I'm close to a lot of them, and they're fantastic. And they all stepped up and came and supported us, and all the things. You all know, the things. It, it, all yeah. the love. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people showed up and they came. They left after a little while. Um, so they do rounds in a hospital. If you've been, that word sounds familiar to you. If you haven't, <laughs> lucky you. Um, basically, it's just where the doctors for that day get together. They discuss what's going on and what steps they're going to take forward. Nothing like super extravagant usually, just a plan. It's basically just a plan. Catch up the parents, parents catch up the doctors, mm-hmm. you know, what they've noticed, what we've seen. Yeah. And it's for all the kids in the NICU. And Well, it, and it's honestly for everybody. They do rounds they everywhere. Do, yeah, but... they do rounds on all the levels, all the floors. Yeah. But the NICU, they, it, the NICU's a little different. It's, you're in the NICU You've got shit going on. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... I don't know. If you're in a hospital, you probably have some shit going on. That's true. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> oh my God. I, but I just, I have no sympathy for adults. I'm sorry, I don't. It's, it's the kids that pull up my heartstrings. Like the guy that's gone in there because he thinks he's a BMX biker and tried to do some tail whip flip crap with his bike and now he's got a compound fracture in his collarbone. I have no sympathy. You deserve wow. like nah that that's on okay. you. But I I was the kid that was doing that stupid stuff <laughs> when I was younger. So I've got no sympathy. Sounds, like, sounds realistic. But the kids, man, the kids that are in there because they can't breathe or they were born with their organs outside of their stomachs or heart valve problems and brain the list. issues. Just the list the, is long. It, it, it's it's astounding. It is. It's so astounding. I don't think people know this when they're like, we're going to have a baby. Guess what? I mean, the amount of pregnancies that end up with children in the hospital is ridiculous. And you're completely blind to it unless you live it. And you never think about it. Which is fine. It which is fine. Guess what? I fell into that category. You get pregnant. You get excited. And you're like thinking of your future and all the things that are going to happen. I actually cried when I was pregnant, while I was pregnant, because I was sad that one day my children would leave me and like go to college and have lives. She was they weren't emotional. even here yet. <laughs> like <laughs> I was already having empty nest syndrome and I wasn't even there yet. It wasn't even close. Oh man. Yep. The wonderful bubble we lived in. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, I, as soon as I found out we were having a boy and a girl, like, my mind went into protective dad mode for mm. having a little girl. Yeah. And then, you know, having a son, like I thought of all the things, making him a little man and, you know, doing his hair and teaching him how mm. to play football and roughhousing with him and stuff like that. And it, yeah, you do, you live in this little bubble and then all of a sudden it gets popped. Yeah, that happens. That does happen. So we were sitting in rounds because parents can sit in rounds on their own children. That makes total sense, right? So we were sitting there doing rounds and they were talking about Caleb and obviously he wasn't doing very well. And so the doctor was like, well, I'm concerned because Caleb hasn't peed yet. This is, you know, we're going into day two and that means obviously your kidneys are not working. Um, he's like, so we need to figure out what we're going to do to help that. Like this obviously isn't good. Um, so it was just crazy how fast everything happens. The nurse walks in to the room where Caleb is at and she's like, oh my gosh, we just got so much pee. It wasn't very much, but guess what? When you go from zero to something, the excitement is there because you're like, I don't know, something good must be happening. You hope. <laughs> so it's like you know zero to 60 we're excited and we're like great wonderful perfect and then he codes which obviously means something terrible is happening and everybody runs into his room and you know we're left outside wondering what the hell is happening except for it's not good um i don't know how much time went by it was about 90 seconds i'm like if that not even who knows? <laughs> Again, quick. time is crazy. It was not very long. Um, doctor came and got us, pulled us in, and uh, he just said that was it. Yeah. Alicia was crying pretty bad. Uh, and the doctor was trying to explain to us what was going on. Um, Caleb had a, a pulmonary hemorrhage in his lungs and uh 
they couldn't they couldn't get the blood out of his lungs fast enough um so uh the doctor told me he's like there's there's nothing we can do they they were trying to pull the blood out of his lungs while the doctor was talking to me and uh he he told me he's like you know Caleb's Caleb's going on about 90 seconds without air and the longer he goes out without air the more brain damage he gets and he had already flatlined probably about four times in the, in the two days that he was with us and uh so he asked me what uh what we wanted to do and uh i i looked at alicia and she she just kind of looked at me kept crying <laughs> i mean it's emotional <laughs> it was hard it was uh probably the but honestly i think in that in that look we knew <laughs> yeah like I, that was it well and i and i I think a part of me, even before looking at you, already knew. Like, yeah. That was, that was it. Um, so I told the doctor, you know, um, stop. Just, just stop. Let him go. He's obviously, uh, he's obviously decided he didn't want to stick around. Um, I joke and tell people that he was the smart one of the two. And uh, realized he didn't want to be in this world and just said, screw it. You know, I'm I'm going back. Going back to Neverland. I, I don't want to be here. Um, so uh, they stopped trying to get the blood out of his lungs and stopped. Stopped performing life saving uh, procedures. And uh, they unhooked him. They unhooked him and he was gone. Got him all wrapped up. Yeah. They gave him to us. Swaddled him so that we could hold him. and Because uh, we, we, we haven't been able to hold either one of them. And uh, so they, they swaddled him up and, and gave him to Alicia. And she held him. And, uh, and then I got to hold him too. But it definitely wasn't long enough. They gave us our time with him. And then um, a nurse a nurse came and told us that they, uh, they had a program where um, they would get a photographer to come in and take some pictures for us of him so that we could have some pictures of him. And uh, they told us that we could, uh, we could give him a bath. And, and put him in a little outfit for the pictures. They gave us a little uh, a little private room where we were able to do that. Oh, yeah. So it's a, a little room. Your family can come, be with you, um, all the things. So, you know, we did that. We called. We made the calls again. Well, Jesse did. <laughs> I have to. I, I just have to say, relaying the shitty information over and over and over again is not a fun job. So, any dads out there that get stuck with this job, 
just see it as you're you're bringing in the cavalry you're bringing in the support group um that both your wife and you need your partner wife whoever um it may suck in the moment but when the support arrives it helps it really does so my parents showed up they live very close to the hospital um my mom was very hesitant to go in the room with us because it's sad nobody wants to face that but she did um i think she was glad she did i've never asked her but i think she was um i think it was uh like a catch-22 double-edged sword like i I think it really hurt but on the flip side i think i don't think she regrets it same with my mom i don't think my mom would trade it for anything like she she got to see him yeah you know without all the wires and without being in the isolate she got to see him just him who he was so we um um, we well, got our we got our our pictures of him. Yeah, that was um that was a him. little bit later though, because we so they came. I stepped down to the hall and sat with my dad. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember a little that. bit. Yeah, yeah. He apologized. <laughs> he didn't know. I th- I just think that was so much for your old man. Like he, I think it. I mean, it shook me to my core, and I. I mean, and I was in the midst of it, but I. I think it shook your old man to his core, because I mean, he. I mean, he struggled to just be in the room. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's a lot to take in, so it's totally understandable. All the stuff. All the emotions and everybody, you know, yeah, he he doesn't do well with that. (laughs) (laughs) So he just said he was sorry that he couldn't go in the room. I told him it was fine. And it is. I don't. He was dealing with the grief in his own way. Agreed. It It is not fair to push something on somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and that's another thing, you know, parents don't, if you've got a, a family member or a friend or something that is there for you 110%, but they just can't walk into a room because, you know, it's hard for them to deal with seeing your child in a bad situation or something like that. Don't, don't fault them for that. I mean, everybody deals with grief in their own way and not everybody is built or equipped to handle this kind of stuff like it's this is a whole different kind of beast <laughs> like i <laughs> nothing can prepare you for it so it sounds like piper wants to get in on the conversation over here so this um was interesting i don't know if that's the word but um obviously family was called and so my sister-in-law texted me or called me i can't remember after all this happened and she said that uh my niece, she was probably, oh, okay, so my niece was seven, um, and Brooke was like, uh, Ellie wants to come see him. Is that okay? And I said, well, um, I said, I don't, that's fine. That's fine with me. I go, but. That's your call. Yes. As her mom. As, as her parent. That's fine with me. 
Um, and I said, I just really would like you to see him first because he was bruised and banged up and he was, from all the tape and the resuscitations and he was still bleeding <clears throat> from his nose and mouth um, from the buildup of blood in his lungs. So, you know, like, you know, so he doesn't look like you're a typical baby when you talk to a child who's picturing a baby especially one that's, you know, very early and has been through a lot in two days. He was just black and blue. So I said, that's fine, but I need you to see him first because I need you to decide if that is okay and how you want to approach it. That's fine. So she said, okay, fine. So they came um, and actually she was just on her way to take Ellie to church. So she was all dolled up in her little dress. She was adorable. Um, Brooke went in and she just let Ellie know, like, it's he doesn't look like you think he's gonna look like he doesn't look like a baby you picture that you think he looks like and he's his, gone his he was she explained to him that he was gone yep. and that he was in heaven mm-hmm. that his soul his has soul left his body has left his body and it was it was just caleb's body that yeah. she was gonna see and that it didn't look like what she's used to seeing on tv and stuff like that and her other nieces and nephews that she's seen as babies oh cousins they would have been yeah, her cousins, her cousins yeah. yeah so she walked her in there ellie looked and then just said okay i'm ready to go to church i mean she didn't seem phased by it really um i don't... she seemed very grown up about it to be honest with you like yes I... but she's always been way grown she's up an old soul age. she is an old soul um so i don't i've never asked her if she remembers I mean, seven, you remember things, but... It might be a little fuzzy for her. Yeah. But it's not... I don't feel like it's something I need to ask her about. I feel like in the moment, she was grown up enough, and she wanted to see her cousin. Yeah. And, and I think it was great. Yeah, I I, I thought so also. But I, I did want Brooke to make that choice. Like, <sighs> you... Yeah. You need to come see him first. Like, it could be very traumatic for her. Yeah. So she... They did, she did and really good. So everyone left. And uh, as Jesse was saying, we got to have a little bit of time with him alone where we got to bathe him and pick an outfit. So we did all that and um, get him ready for pictures, which some people think is a little morbid. It is not. It is a beautiful memory. Um, I highly recommend it. If you, in, if, in the, if that hospital, if something like this happens to you and that's something that you want, ask your nurses, ask your doctors. They more than likely have this program. Um, it's, it's, you don't want to look back on it and because you think it might be morbid and a couple years down the road, wish you had that picture. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't get it. It's gone. It's yeah. gone forever. That moment. So. I highly suggest them. I I, they recommend it as well. Beautiful. We were also able to get little molds of his hands and feet. Yes, which I do think lots of hospitals do now. Yeah, I think Uh, that's a thing. Which is amazing. Um, And we still have the picture and his molds to this day. Of course. Of course. Besides the living creatures in our house those are the next valuable objects to me (laughs) because you can't replace them 
because that's it. So, um, we got pictures done. And like I said, they're beautiful. <laughs> love them. Um, lots of love and support after that. As much as we could handle. I can't really... I don't know what happened after that. Just did things we had just... To, we, just, we had to talk to the caseworker and then we had to find a mortuary well, yeah. to get him cremated. You gotta do the things. Um, which that kind of tore me up because Caleb sat in the morgue at the hospital for two days, three days. Before we were able to get everything finalized and whatnot so that the mortuary that we went with could come and get him and um, get him cremated. But shout out to Janet Myers for backing me up on the uh, urn (laughs) that that we got for Caleb because Alicia wanted to get this little cutesy gold heart urn it wasn't gold but it was a heart Uh, whatever but (laughs) details details uh, i'm about to give you some details (laughs) (laughs) oh um yes but uh, my mom was backed jesse up and was like that is not a boy's urn i i told alicia i'm like he would have grown up to be a little man and i feel like he needs a little man urn and uh i found one it was real simple but had a had a masculine touch to it, and uh, my mother in law totally backed me up on it. She's like, "No, I'm I'm with Jesse. He he needs a little man urn, and uh, and that's fine. And we, to we this day, it. it's it's perfect. It is. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's. But yeah, I wouldn't change it. My mother in law totally backed me up on that. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for that, Janet. Thanks. Jeez, Mom, taking Jesse's side. I thought I was your daughter. Come on. Nobody's ever on my side. <laughs> I don't ever have anybody. Even my own mother's side's with you. We get into an argument. What did you do? It's because I'm hard to argue with. I'm so easygoing. No, it's because everybody knows I'm an asshole. Well, you know, tomato, tomato. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, we, we had a little... Uh, what would you call it? Celebration of Caleb's oh, life. At... But that wasn't until later. Yeah, I guess that's true. That was later. That was way later. Because um, after that happened, honestly, for me, this is, this is where grief gets weird, I think. Or for me, I don't know. I mean, I was sad. I cried. Obviously. Um, I, was, I was so angry. But for me, it was way easier to not think about it and to focus all my attention on Piper. And I struggled with that. Which is Because I wanted to give Piper all of my attention, but it, it just, it felt like a piece of me had been ripped out and I, I went to a dark place real fast. Like I, I haven't been properly diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but uh, emotionally I'm all over the board and I come with my own uh, childhood trauma and baggage and things. So I was already um, an emotional roller coaster, and then all this happened, and I just wanted to watch the world burn. Like I didn't care. Like I, <laughs> I was spending money that we didn't have because I just figured swipe the card. I work, you know. Like I, I had this plan. We had this 
savings. We we had all these things that, you know, you, you think you're going to plan for and be prepared for. And then you have this tragic incident you happen. You do all and the it, right things and it goes wrong. Yeah. And then, you know, your entire life gets shit on. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I didn't care. I but, was so lost and so angry and just bitter. I think that's why we work, though, is because we usually are very opposite people. Um, we do see eye to eye, I think, on the important things, but uh, we are very opposite. So the fact that you went dark, which is completely understandable, it's completely, it was way easier for me to just say, I need to focus on Piper. She's here. She needs me. It didn't help because, you know, everybody was also saying, you know, your famous favorite words. Oh, God has a plan. God has a plan. And I was just like, you know what? The hell with God and his plan. What the hell about my plan? You know, like I had plans. plans. What made him better to decide that my plans weren't good enough? And and I I was just so angry. And I remember um, the day that we lost Caleb. Uh, I walked outside and, uh, I just remember yelling up into the sky at whatever is there, whatever higher power being whatever, and just cutting loose. I mean, I, I, anything that came to my mind, I was just letting it fly. And, uh, I was having a cigarette and I had given up, I had given up smoking I had given up smoking. I had been like smoke free for almost a year. And uh, I I went and bought me a pack of smokes because I was just so stressed out. And I started smoking again. And I was standing in the parking lot having a cigarette. And I see this dad walking out of the emergency room doors with um, a little girl that he's holding. I'd say maybe a year or two. And a little boy that's, you know, three, maybe four. And... This guy, his little boy couldn't keep up with him walking. He was holding his hand, and the little boy kind of fell, and the dad was just kind of kind of dragging him by his arm and being a total tool to his kid. And the only thing I could think of was ripping this man apart. Like, right there in front of the ER, I had just lost my son. And here this guy is just talking down to his kid, dragging his kid by the arm, and totally taking his son for granted, like didn't even realize what he had. And I, I did, I, I caught myself. I didn't even realize it until like I noticed that he was getting closer and it, that wasn't the case. He wasn't getting closer. I was getting closer to him because I just unknowingly started walking towards this man and I had to stop myself because it's like, well, he's got kids. He's a dad. I can't do anything to this guy. Like, what, what's, what, what am I thinking? You know, but I was just not in the right state of mind. Like, I was so off the rails, dark. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that you stopped because honestly, as selfish as it sounds, I didn't need something else on my plate to think about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I thought about. Like, I don't do anybody any good being in jail. You do not. At all. So... But I think that was um, when I started to to tell myself, like, you might need help. Yeah. And then, uh, so I had, it was like a week off from work, something like that. Yep. And uh, 
when I finally went back to work, I think I had only been back a day or two. I think it was your first day back. It might have. And you almost took somebody out at work. I had this guy that I apparently wasn't helping him fast enough and was mumbling under his breath and called me an asshole and didn't think I heard. And I literally almost flew over a counter because, I mean, I, I jumped over halfway over the counter and grabbed this dude by his shirt. And uh, I was I was ready to just annihilate him, <laughs> just just break this man. And uh, my boss at the time was like, dude, you go outside, go have a smoke, go for a walk, get out of here. Like, you know, and then um, it, it's like I told the guy, I'm like, you know, it. I don't, I don't know what makes you think you can call me an asshole, but like, I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm helping you. And it's like, my boss told me, he's like, do you need more time? (laughs) Like, and that's when I realized I, I definitely need help. Like I just, I could barely control my emotions. Like I, I just wanted to break everything. I, I didn't give a shit. I mean, you know, their emotions are hard. Emotions are hard. Even as an adult, on a good day, when things are good, emotions can be hard, let alone when everything feels like it falls apart. Like I said, I'm very good at, I am very good at focusing on something else, <laughs> which probably does me no favors, if we're being honest, because, uh, you know, we're seven years in. <laughs> And I still don't talk about it. So maybe not healthy, but I'm still here. It's fine. We're still functioning. It's fine. We're fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> oh, good Lord. But yeah, so I just focused all my attention on Piper and um, all the other people. Luckily for me, you know, as a mom, I got maternity leave. I took it. So I had eight weeks off. So I just spent my time at the hospital, basically. That's how I spent my days, looking at her in a bubble. And I spent mine at work waiting for a horrific phone call that something had happened and we had lost her also. Yeah, that's also why we didn't do anything for Caleb right away. Um, I wanted to... And my mom was like, maybe you should wait <laughs> just, just in case, because obviously we have another child who is not out of the woods by any means. No, not at all. And, um, so we waited, uh, another word we hate. Well, another word I hate, at least from the doctors that I had come to learn was, um, stable. Ugh. How are things? Well, she's stable. Okay, stable sounds great. It's not really. It's not information. Stable it tells basically me that is unchanging. She could be in a coma living on machines and they could use the word stable. Guess what? It's not positive necessarily. It just means things haven't changed. Which in this case, not getting worse was, I mean, is a plus for us. She was fighting it out. And doing a great job. She never flatlined. Flat Piper never ever flatlined. She was a true trooper and soldier. Yep. Yep. So that was one that came to hate. 
How's it going today? Well, she's stable. Well, great. That's a stupid word. I know that they can't say anything else. I know that they're very limited, like, but still, I don't have to like it and I don't. So basically, we just went in every day and asked, what did you change? Did you change meds? What's going on? What are we doing to fix it? Uh, I don't remember now because that was seven years ago, but at the time you became very familiar with medications, what their purpose was, why she was on them. Yeah, we, one nurse told us by the time you leave the NICU, you guys will be unofficially certified nurses. Like you guys will know so much. And honestly, I mean, Piper spent six months in the NICU. We learned a lot. So much. I mean, so just, much stuff. I mean, we and, could read the monitors. Uh, I and, mean, essentially, we kind of started becoming her nurses because we were there and, you know, we were watching her O2 stats. We, we were watching her heart rate. We were watching blood pressure. Uh, I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we were capable of doing it. I mean, and mm-hmm. it, it sucked at the time because it was like, God, I wish we didn't know these things. But yeah. it helped knowing like not having to have someone explain to us all the time like why is that monitor screaming what why is this buzzer going off like and you don't feel like you have to panic every time mm-hmm. because you understand what's happening mm-hmm. yeah because in the beginning you probably panic a lot because you Your don't understand a lot monitor yeah. goes off it's like oh my gosh is she flatlining no that's Especially. not a flat line that's you know her heart rate dropped oh well this monitor goes off oh okay that means her blood pressure's dropped down what about this one? Oh, that's her oxygen level. That's too low. She's got, I mean, mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. And, you know, we learned very quickly how fast things went from feeling good to not. So for us, emotions were high and they were very up and down. And even the nurses were like, you basically have been thrown into the deep end with no life-saving tools because you are first-time parents. You have had twins. They came early, they're in the NICU, and one of them passed. Pretty much like, it was like getting our, our throats slit and thrown overboard in shark-infested waters. And figure it out. Get to shore if you can. That, that's how it felt for me. Like, yeah. just, just survive. If you make it, great. If not, well, you guys were thrown in the deep end, so I guess it's kind of to be expected. Oh, my gosh. But Piper spent a month at the hospital they were born in. Um, before she had her first major incident. Well, well, yes, yes, yes. Almost a month. It was like 24 mm, days or something. Something like that, yeah. But, um, um, well, and something we were watching while she was in the hospital, one of the major things other than all the, all the thing, basic things of keeping her alive was, so when you're a baby and you're growing inside a person's body as babies grow, I... Okay, if I screw this up and you're a nurse or a doctor, please don't come after me. I'm sorry. I'm doing this off of memory. I'm sorry. Um, but you have a valve in your heart that's open. Oh, yeah. It's, an, it's a valve that's open because you're not using your lungs to breathe. So while your body's growing, it pumps more blood to like your lungs and stuff to help them grow. So when you come early, that valve is still open and that can cause complications, which was... Normally it closes yeah. after you've gone full term and the, the, the force from the birthing canal from what, if I remember correctly, is what helps close, close, close that valve and Piper's never closed. Because she was way too early and neither did Caleb's, which is 
part of the reason why he had had a pulmonary hemorrhage is because that valve was open and he was getting too many fluids and it, just it was overloaded. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, so we were in the hospital watching this valve. This was like a big deal because they're like, you know, you can do surgery to close it. But the thing is, is she's so tiny. She probably was a major surgery too. Well, yeah, it's your heart. Yeah. So they're like, she probably won't live or it'll be very hard on her because she's so tiny. So we're basically just sitting on the edge of our seats every day, wondering, did it close? Did it close today? It didn't. It did not close today. So there's an interesting story that goes with this valve. Oh, with my mom? Yeah. So you're, so Jesse's mom had a lady living with her. Um, my mom had a friend that I think she had worked with this lady. Or whatever she whatever was living with her was, but she was living with my mom her and her son were living with my mom at the okay, time was this lady native american um i believe she was partial and i think her mom was like half or three quarters something of that nature but was very so was spiritual. it her mom her mom okay so her mom so the lady like, that was living with my mom her mom had yeah. a dream. Yeah. How how did the dream go? It, Do you remember? Um, so my mom's friend that was living with her, her mom told her that she had a dream. And the dream was that a little boy was knocking on the door. I think it was a little girl. No, it was a little boy. Mm, okay. You continue because I remember it differently. Oh, I thought it was a little boy. I could be wrong. Whatever. Well, given that the phrase I'm hearing in my head that comes later, it would make more sense if it was a little girl. But continue. Oh, but um, that his sister needed a heart and handed her a heart. I remembered it the other way. How did you remember it? That it was a little girl and she was asking for help and said, I need my brother's heart to live. Oh. But anyways, same same gist, if you understood that. No. Same gist. A girl, a guy, a, a girl, sister, I, a brother, a heart, a whole thing. A spirit knocked on <laughs> this woman's door in her dream and essentially handed her a heart. Um, and the next day, when we got up to the hospital to see Piper, her they, valve had closed. they told us that they had good news for us that the valve in her heart had closed yeah. and it, it looked good. The the timing of this dream from this lady who did not she know didn't what even was know happening. us. She didn't even my mom hadn't talked to her or nothing, didn't tell her what was going mm-hmm. on. This lady had no clue about anything going on in our lives. Um and to hear that story and just the timing was just heart wrenching when I got the story. Like I can't even, I can't, I can't even imagine. It's so much. Um, so we've gotten a little off topic. We've gone a little sideways. We've gone a little backwards, but there is one more thing we wanted to share um, before we end this episode. And that was, so when you're in the NICU, you switch doctors constantly. You don't keep the same doctors. It happens. Um, they rotate. Which is great, actually, because you get different perspectives, different views, because everybody's different. Unfortunately, you don't always click with people. And that's how I'm going to put it, which is the nicest way possible. Um, We had a doctor who we are 
I don't think she wanted us to save Piper. I know that is super mean to say, but I don't think she wanted us to save Piper because every time we saw her, she basically told us every terrible thing that could go wrong. Um, even and tried she, to get us to pull the plug. Even if she survived, like, you know, she has massive brain damage. She probably will have cerebral palsy. She will have a list of other things. And can you handle that as a parent? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. She's my child. It's what you do. I'm, I'm not giving up on her. Especially because you can't tell me that these things are going to happen. You're just saying maybe, could be, we don't have an answer. So that just felt ridiculous. I don't remember this doctor's <laughs> name, but we dubbed her Dr. Doom and Gloom. Because she this was. bitch had nothing but bad news. No, for reals. Every time she walked into the room, somebody cried. She made you and my mom and your mom cry every time she walked into the room. Yeah, because she was not sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> so finally, one day, uh, this lady comes into the into the hospital room and uh, starts pretty much... It, it's been like two weeks now, and this lady for the last two weeks has been pretty much telling us to pull the plug on Piper. Even though Piper's never flatlined and she has continuously fought to stay here. Um, she's in there in the in the room telling us, you know, all the brain damage and retardation and cerebral palsy and vegetable and all these other words. And and not a single positive thing to say. Not once did this lady ever have anything positive to say. Bedside manner was horrible. Yeah, she basically just kept telling us, it's okay if you want to say goodbye. We're like, well, that's great. We don't. But thank you for asking me for the 50th time. Still don't. My mind hasn't changed. So she comes into the room, pretty much lays out her spiel again, um, and makes my mom, my mother-in-law, and Alicia start bawling. Like, like there's no hope for Piper. We should just pull the plug and let her go. And I finally just snapped. I, <laughs> I lost it on this petite old woman. Come on. We saw this coming, people. It was going to happen. <laughs> um, we are on the fourth story. Mm-mm. No. No, we're not. We're still at the hospital across the street. Okay, yeah. I was it's thinking, all ground level, yeah, baby. All, yeah. I was thinking we were at primaries. No. Because we were in the fourth story when we got to primaries. Um, I, I told this lady that. It, the next time she came into the room, if she didn't have anything to say other than pretty much pull the plug or, um, you know, all the bad things that Piper could possibly have. Um, I told her, I'm like, you're not you're not God. You don't know. You can't tell any of us one way or another if she's going to live, if she's going to die, if she's going to be retarded, have CP, whatever. Um, and she's fighting and we're going to keep giving her every opportunity to fight. And if you ask us to pull the plug on her one more time, I'm going to throw you through a window. My mom, to this day, is so proud of him. So proud of Jesse for saying these words to this woman. I was the only guy in this room, like legit. I've got my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, my daughter, and this doctor. Mm -hmm. And I just told this tiny little five foot two, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet doctor that I was going to throw her through a window. And she proceeds to tell me, um, well, I need to, how did she put it? I need to lay out I don't know. all your options and, and, and make this as real as possible or something like that. And I'm like, it doesn't get any more real 
than what we're in right now. Like it's, you know, I get. Well, and it's one thing to lay out options. It's another thing to lay out options every time you walk into a room. Yeah, so I heard every you day the... for two weeks. <laughs> yes, I heard you the first time, lady. Got it. And we're still hearing you the 50th time. Um, um, so that was, I think, the last time we saw her. Yeah. yeah for then, a little while. Yes, because doctors rotated and somebody new came in, which will lead us into um, the Episode next... three. Yes, episode three. So... Here's where we say goodbye. I'm sorry that it was a little rambly. It was a little awkward trying to record between crying and keeping it together. Hey, it's like our life. Chaotic. <laughs> My life is not chaotic. Okay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Maybe we should be filming this so people can see the expressions on our face. I don't do well with camera and pictures. Can mm. I just keep my awesome, amazing podcast voice? I do so much better on camera. And I do better without. So. Yeah, it's fine. I was just kidding. Not really. I don't, <laughs> people don't need to see this snotty mess going on over here. Um, but anyways, if you made it through, thanks. thanks. Um, if you didn't, then I guess it doesn't matter because you're not hearing this. And, and you're uh, obviously not cool enough to listen to the whole thing. You're too cool to listen to the podcast. You know, all the cool kids do it. Just like peeing their pants. Stupid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we are quoting a movie, people. Calm down. Sorry, my brother just looked at me like I'm crazy. We're quoting movies. Anyways, uh, we're going to go feed our child because she is getting angry in case you didn't hear her in the background getting angry at us. We're going to call it a day because I am mentally exhausted now. And uh, we'll see you when we come back because, again, we still have no schedule and I'm not sure what's happening. But I am enjoying this even though it is episode two. Doesn't matter if nobody listens. This feels great to record it and put it out into the world. I feel a lot better about it. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. Except it's for that good. my husband has a better podcast voice than me. Yes. <sighs> I'll get over it. I'll get over it. All right, everybody. We're changing the chances. And you guys have a great day. We'll see you later. Talk right. to you later. Talk to you later. Yeah. Talk to you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.